Welcome in, welcome in, everybody. This is the Night Shift on Wildcat 91.9. I'm Cole Carmody. Sitting to my left is the one and only new producer of the show, I guess, if you want to <laughs> say. He put everything together. That's Connor Carson. Happy Tuesday, Cole. Happy Tuesday to you as well, my friend. It's sunny. It's 75 degrees outside. It's March 1st. It feels like baseball Mardi weather. Gras. Mardi Gras. Fat Tuesday. Yep. Fat Tuesday. So if you're celebrating Mardi Gras tomorrow, um, be safe. Be smart. Um, sadly, though, it is baseball season, right? It's 75 degrees outside and sunny. It feels like it. Um, I just came from baseball practice. Um, I'm coaching at a high school where I'm student teaching at this semester, and we've had baseball practice the last two days. It's been sunny. It's been nice. There's not been a cloud in the sky. K-State baseball plays tonight. They're on the road at Cal State Fullerton. And opening day for baseball was scheduled for March 31st. Not anymore. Not anymore. As you heard in the 6 p.m. news update and the NBC news update, the players and the owners are still in a lockout. And the deadline was supposed to be yesterday. So they were supposed to have either come to an agreement or delayed opening day yesterday, which, by the way, if you're just joining us, this whole opening day um, deadline is completely arbitrary. Like, this is not something that's set in stone. It doesn't have to be set in stone. It's just something that the players and the owners decided, hey, this sounds like a good idea. Let's just set this date. And ultimately, a date was not reached last night, but apparently there was progress made. Flash forward today, I personally thought that they were going to get this done. And they ultimately did not, and so now games will be canceled. And we will talk about that in the back half of the show. But just a very sad day to be a baseball fan. Very. And, I mean, I was up till 1 a.m. refreshing my Twitter, seeing, oh, are they going to get this done? And then they extended the deadline till 5 p.m. today, and I figured, oh, this is going to be a for sure, for sure deal. But, unfortunately, it was not. And i I personally think this can't fall all on the owners at this point. I think the players have to shoulder some of this blame, but we'll get into that later. but just a very disappointing seventeen hours for sports in general here in Manhattan. <laughs> yeah, no kidding you you throw into the fact that our uh, beloved Kansas State Wildcats dropped a tough game once again. that is four in a row to Texas Tech. they lost seventy three to sixty eight. It was a good game. k State was winning for a majority of the game. Um, not the whole game. Texas Tech would Kind of went back and forth there in the second half, but the Cats do drop that game to drop to 14 and 15 and 6 11 and 6 and 11 in conference. Pretty much the only way they get into the NCAA tournament now is by making and winning the Big 12 championship, right? Uh, the Big 12 tournament, precisely. So that's how they get in, right? Maybe, I guess, they could theoretically get in if they win on Saturday against Oklahoma and then get to the championship game. Maybe they're on the bubble then. Maybe that means they beat probably like a Baylor and then a Kansas, something like that to get mm-hmm. to the to get to the championship game. If they lose in the championship game, maybe there's an outside chance they get in. But I mean, never say never, especially with this group. I mean, it's it, we've seen them win two in a row. We haven't seen seen them win three in a row yet, but anything's possible with this group, so I'm not, you know, ready to say, "Hey, everything's over," but I'm I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I agree. Um I mean, they played really well last night considering the absence of Marquise Noel. I think at times, you could tell that that really hurt them, but they were, again, resilient and managed to find a way where they could battle through that game. And it, it was just basketball is a game full of runs, and it just felt like Texas Tech was able to hold off K-State's final run to get back into the game and win the game, and they, they, K-State just couldn't put it together. But just disappointing. I mean, we, we've said the story a thousand times where it's like 
they're right there on the cusp. They just can't get over that hump, and I it's just just repetition at this point where they keep getting closer and closer and closer, but can never can never finish it out. They played seven guys last night. They played seven guys last night. The only two guys that came off the bench were Davion Bradford and Luke Kasupke. Kasupke played seven minutes. Bradford played five. So Ishmasud, 35 minutes. Selton Miguel, 37 minutes. Nigel Pack, 38 minutes. Mark Smith, 38 minutes. And Mike McGurl did not come out a single time. He played all 48 minutes. I'm sorry, but that can't happen. I get that you're without Marquise Noel, but Bruce Weber, you have got to do a better job because you could tell they were tired. They didn't score a bucket for the final four minutes of that game. And you can't sit here and convince me otherwise that if you were to put in a Casey Eziagu, you were to put in a Carlton Lingard, then maybe that takes a little bit of pressure off Mark Smith to grab a rebound. Sure, the bigs have not rebounded the ball very well, but they can grab one rebound and, and let Mark Smith sit for a media timeout, right? That is ridiculous. You cannot play seven players and expect to win a Big 12 game. You look at the box score for Texas Tech. You know how many players they played? How many? They played 10. They played, they played 10. They went 10 deep, and K-State played 7. That's that's all you need to know right there. Their guys were fresh. K-State's guys weren't fresh. At the end of the day, I think that's that's what happens, and, and you could kind of see it, right? Fouls were happening more often. Shots were being missed. That's what happens when you're tired. And when you play in such a raucous environment like Lubbock, Texas, that's going to happen. And listen, I know that King McClure is sitting there saying, Oh, this is the best atmosphere in the Big 12. I'm not going to deny that. But I'm also not going to sit here and act like this is not a tougher that's a tougher place than Allen Fieldhouse. But and I'm also not going to sit here and act like if K-State gets it rolling that that's tougher than Bramlage Coliseum because I've been in Bramlage Coliseum and nobody can just walk in there and win when that place is rocking. Yeah, well, nobody walked into Lubbock and won this year. And I so get that. I get I, that. I think they they deserve a lot of credit for that atmosphere. It's always it's always a, a great atmosphere there. I was a little surprised not to see Patrick Mahomes in attendance again, but um, it, it, you could just tell that towards the end of the game, it was just possessions were dragging. I mean, players were dragging, and and it goes to the lack of depth on this team, I think, a little bit. But it's also Bruce Weber. You have to steal 40 seconds before media timeout. You have to steal 35 seconds of rest for your players to – for in situations when the games are really close, like they have been, for them to make those big shots. And the big shots weren't falling in part due to the players, but also in part due to the fact that they did not have ample rest to get their legs underneath them. And you could talk about conditioning all you want, but at the end of a game, you you, you can't practice for 40 in-game minutes against a Texas Tech team who is so physically, just so physical, and they drain you. They were talking Mm -hmm. about it on the broadcast, how – they just wear you down over the course of the game, and I feel like we saw that last night. Yeah, we definitely did. And, again, I don't think this team's going to really go anywhere. Maybe maybe they'll make the NIT if they're lucky um, at the end of the postseason. And and I'm going to flip this here a little bit because we've, we've talked about how this team can get better. We've talked about this season's team a lot on this show. But I think it's time that we look at the bigger picture. I think it's time we take a step back and we look at what Kansas State basketball is really going to be about because there will be some significant changes this offseason. At least there should be. And I'm talking to, I'm talking to you, Gene Taylor. There is things that you have got to decide on. And I am of the belief that it is time for Bruce Weber to go bye-bye. I am of the belief that it is time to bring in a new coach, and I don't think that's a hot take. I think a lot of people are on this same boat, and if you make the right hire, fans will buy in. And I look at Texas Tech as the perfect example. You had a Texas Tech team that was awful. You know who their coach was? Tubby Smith. Mm-hmm. 
Tubby Smith was the coach at Texas Tech, and then they hired a guy by the name of Chris Beard, a guy who was an up-and-coming coach, a guy who knew what the hell he was talking about. Guess what? He took him to the Final Four. Now he left for Texas. Guess what? You get a guy who worked on his staff, who knew what the culture was about, he replaces them, and now they're going to have a chance to win a national championship again this year. I fully believe that. So Gene Taylor, you were down in Lubbock, Texas last night. You saw what that atmosphere was like. You saw it only took four years, five years, to turn the program around into a contender, a national championship contender, year in and year out. It doesn't matter who you have as players. You can use the transfer portal to your advantage. Guess what? Gene Taylor, you're sitting there. You have to know. You have to make a change. Because this K-State team, if they can keep a core of Nigel Pack, of Ish Masood, and if you want to throw in a Marquise Noel, I'm fine with that. If you can keep those three around, you can build around those guys. You can build around those guys, and you can be in the upper half of the Big 12 Conference. But it starts with new leadership and new voice. And after that game last night, if you're Gene Taylor, I don't know how you can't think that you need to make a change. I mean, a change has been needed to be made for the past two months at this point. I would say it's been just pretty – it's the same story every week. So close, but – Late game coaching man- mismanagement has been what's cost K-State, and I I just don't see any way forward. I mean, the attendance is already pitiful. I, I don't even know how bad it's going to be on, on Saturday. There's going to be nobody there. I mean, there's already uh, festivities going on in Manhattan, and then you've got the contempt from the alumni not, not wanting to show up. I, I, I'd be surprised if – I know the attendance is going to say whatever, 3,000, 4,000. I'd be surprised if there – I wouldn't be surprised if there's less than 2,000 people at the basketball game. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that that's the way that people show their disdain for a coach and of a basketball culture. And you've been, we've been seeing it the whole year. I mean, attendance has been continually going down. And I think the only way that you can get people bought in is by bringing in somebody new. Not just at the head coaching position. I think pretty much throughout – the entire coaching staff there needs to be some sort of change mm-hmm. i agree i agree and if there's anybody that i want to keep on the staff it's shane southwell absolutely he's about the only guy that i would that i think is worthy of keeping you know thank you chris lowry thank you jermaine henderson um thank you but it's time to move on right you got to get some new voices in. and shane is a new voice he's only been here two years it's not let's not forget that it's not like he's been here for forever shane is a guy that has not been here very long but he is a k-stater he's got to be here he wasn't even recruited by Bruce Weber, right? Frank Martin recruited him. He learned to like Bruce. They didn't get along all the time. He learned to like him. He gets into coaching. Bruce gives him his chance, and now he's here, and he's not going to be the head coach. And I'm just going to say this. As far as a new head coach, there are certain coaches that I want, and I have a wish list of coaches that I want. And and I'll, I'll just air it out right now. I think that Brad Underwood has a better chance at being K-State's coach than people think. And the more and more people I talk to, the more and more I don't hear no, the more and more I'm going to assume that's a realistic possibility. By now, if Brad Underwood was not going to come to K-State, we would know. Yes. We would know. That rumor would have been shot down. That rumor would have been shot down. We would know. If Brad Underwood was not wanting to come back to K-State, we would know. And so the fact that we have not definitively heard no, Brad Underwood is not leaving Illinois, and he is not coming to K-State. I think there's something to work with there. And if you're Gene Taylor, you damn sure better know that. Because the first person, the first thing I'm doing, as soon as I tell, tell Bruce, 
Don't let the don't let the door hit you where the good word where the good Lord split you. As soon as I tell him that on his way out of my office, the first thing I'm doing is I'm picking up the phone and I'm calling Brad Underwood. That's the exact first thing I'm doing. Guess what? He might be preparing for a Final Four game, but that's not going to stop me. That's not going to stop me because that is the man. Coaches have shown that they are willing to come home. You have to bring him home. If you have to open up your checkbook, open up your damn checkbook. It's not hard. You have to do it. You have to do it because he will rejuvenate K-State basketball to a place that this school has not seen since Ahern Fieldhouse. I agree. Since Ahern Fieldhouse. Sure, you can talk about Frank Martin. Nah. If Brad Underwood gets this thing rolling, it's going to be like Ahern Fieldhouse, something I wasn't even around for. And if you've been, if you're listening and you've seen a game in Ahern Fieldhouse, trust me, I've heard the stories. I truly believe Brad Underwood could get it going like that. And if Brad Underwood says no, okay, then I have some other candidates um, that I, that I'd bring up here in a second. But I mean, am I crazy for thinking that he's the guy you got to call? I mean, he's got to be at the very, very he's got to be one A, B, C, D, E, and F all the way to Z because he is. I mean, he's he just fits perfectly. I mean, you got to bring him home, right? And I know he's at an established program like Illinois, but I think people sometimes undervalue the the prospect of coming back to where you started, right? And I, I think even if he says no, hang up the phone and you call him right back again because that's how important. I, I think within two years he could t- turn this into a Big 12 regular season title contender easily just with his coaching style and – with the people he's able to bring in, I mean, he was Illinois was a mid mid Big Ten team before he got there, even lower lower half of the Big Ten, and now they're constantly or consistently, sorry, in the conversation to be in the Final Four, and they were one seed last year. And I mean, just the recruits he's able to bring in, and I think I think you have to call him once, twice, three times, however many times it takes to to get him here. The next person I'm calling is a coach by the name of Chris Jans. And if you don't know who that is, he's currently the head coach at New Mexico State. Before that, he was at Wichita State. And I'm going to tell you right now, a guy with Kansas connections who's been around the block, he's done some junior college basketball, and he has things rolling for New Mexico State right now. That is the next person I'm calling. And he's definitely turned down some positions, but I think a chance to come back to Kansas where he served under the infamous Greg Marshall. And if people want Greg Marshall as the K-State coach, then you're no longer a K-State fan. I'm just going to say that. Nope. Um, but Greg Chris Jans is the next person. If Chris Jans doesn't want to do it, um, a guy by the name of K.T. Turner, he's currently a coach at Oklahoma. He was a Manhattan High School alum. His dad was a coach for K-State under uh, Lonnie Kruger. So, yeah, there are some guys with some Kansas connections that can really get things rolling. But I will say this. <laughs> this is this is another hot take. I wish I had my hot take button. If Juwan Howard gets fired from Michigan, if Brad Underwood says no, dang it, I'm calling Juwan Howard. I, I don't think he'll get fired, but if assuming there is a coaching vacancy, there should be, um, and Juwan Howard is fired, those two have to be, you give them whatever, whatever they want. Because if, if they want you to build them a new house, you build them a new house. <laughs> because those two would – I mean, there's good coaches and then there's program-changing coaches, and those two are both program-changing coaches. Would you put Sean Miller in, in that category as well? Sean Miller is an interesting case just because of the whole situation around him. I mean, Arizona was really good when he was there, but they were also really good because he was paying – He cheated. Yeah, he was paying people a lot of money. 
But, I mean. I would hire him. Same thing happened with Bruce Pearl and Auburn. And look at what Auburn's doing now. So, I, I wouldn't mind the hire. It would be a tough sell, for sure, to some of the alumni. And Who cares? This is my thing. Do you want to win or do you not want to win? That's true. The NCAA has shown they will do nothing to cheaters. Sean Miller's the only one. Bill Self has been cheating for how many years and nothing has happened. Documented cases of fraud. Nothing has happened. You have got to play how the rules are stated to play. And guess what? With NIL now, it is a wild, wild west. Anything goes. If you get a coach that comes in here and knows how to work that system, you will win the Big 12 next year because the transfer portal and NIL is game-changing. It's just game-changing. And let's not sit here and act like K-State hasn't broken the rules before. I know they were never caught, but you don't get Bill Walker. You don't get Michael Beasley. You don't get Jacob pulling to Manhattan without pulling some strings. I'm sorry, you just don't. You just don't. And so, yeah, you hire somebody that can come in here and win, and if he has to bend the rules, you know what they say. It's only stealing if you get caught. No, I agree. And I, that's why I personally wouldn't be opposed to Sean Miller because if you're not cheating, you're not trying. That's baseball reference, but it's true. I mean, if you aren't doing something to get a competitive advantage, you're going to be left behind because you see all the times where – I mean, Auburn last year couldn't play in the NCAA tournament. They took that. They, they self-imposed a, a one-year postseason ban so the NCAA couldn't do anything harsher. And they said, you know what, we're going to run it back in the next year and be one of the best teams in the country. So, and they are. Yeah. Number they, Last time I looked, they were number one in the country. So, yeah, you have got to find somebody who can come in here and change the program because, quite honestly – you know, right now it's not working. It's just not. I'm sorry. Bruce is a Boy Scout. You can't you can't have Boy Scouts in your program and expect to be really good. You just you just can't. It worked because he had an alpha in Barry Brown. It worked because he had an alpha in Rodney Magruder. You have to have an alpha who also has skill. Because guess what? There's no Barry Brown on this team. There's no Rodney Magruder on this team. You got Nigel Pack, but he doesn't have the same demeanor. And that's nothing on Nigel because I saw a tweet today from Grant Flanders from Kansas State Online, who said that he believes Nigel Pack will be the greatest player to play at K-State since Michael Beasley. I wholeheartedly disagree with that. I love Flando. He's a great guy. I disagree with that take 100%. Um, but Nigel Pack's a special player. And that's the next thing that's on my to-do list for K-State this offseason. You hire a new coach, and if I'm that new coach, my number one priority is making sure that I keep Nigel Pack in purple because he, you cannot let him enter the transfer portal. Yeah, and I think... Nigel Packett in the transfer portal would be almost an unprecedented transfer portal. A dude with, what would he have, three years of eligibility who's mm-hmm. going to be first team All-Big 12 most likely. I mean, that would be, he would be on every team's radar immediately. And it'd be unprecedented, but um, I, I think if you bring in new a new blood to the program, like an Underwood or, a new, or anybody really, that's not Bruce Weber, I think Nigel's going to take that as an opportunity to get better. I, I feel like they're just... I, I mean, you can't do much worse than Bruce at this mm-hmm. point. So, I, well, yeah. I mean, they shouldn't. You can't. They should not mess up this hire. But, uh, uh, your your number one priority has to be keeping him around, along with establishing a new a new culture in the program. How many players you think will enter the transfer portal from K State this season, or this off season? Three. Three. That's uh, it. Yeah, three. 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 I'm gonna go with four or five. It just seems to always happen like that, and especially if there's a coaching change. Let's not act like the new coaching staff won't won't kind of weed some people out, right? They want to bring in their guys. Yeah. 
it would not it would not surprise me to see a guy like Carlton Lingard, to see a guy like Luke Suzuki, mm-hmm. to see a guy like Davion Bradford, to see a guy like Selton Miguel, and then to see a guy like Nigel Pack or you know Marquise Noel or Ish or somebody like that. It would not surprise me. I know I just named the entire returning roster, <laughs> but honest to goodness, it would not surprise me to see any of them enter the transfer portal just with today's basketball. It's just it's just different. Like it's not the same as what we're used to. I I really believe if the transfer portal was around when Jacob Poland was here. He would not have stayed with Bruce Weber. He just wouldn't have. He didn't recruit him when Bruce didn't recruit him when he was at Illinois, and that didn't sit well with Jake. You know, the infamous tweet. Bruce Weber didn't think I was good enough to play at Illinois, and I don't think he's good enough to coach at Kansas State. That's the infamous tweet. It pops up on everybody's timeline every once in a while. I don't know. I don't know. It's just time to do something. We can't sit here on our hands any, any longer and expect the same thing to happen. The last two years have been dreadful. It's been hard to watch as a K-State fan because you look at these other programs and you, and you wish you, you were fighting for seeding. You don't wish you were fighting to be on the bubble. Yeah, It's embarrassing, and it needs to change. I agree. Uh, it needs to change. You, you look at a program like Texas Tech, and they used to be so far below K-State, and now they're like one of the top three in the Big 12. And you look at them and you say, why can't that be us? And I think there's just one reason that can't be K-State, and it's because of the head coach. Well, if you know that theme song, you know that it's March. So from struggling basketball, by the way, great drop with this. I might just like play this more often. I mean, I just feel like, and welcome back to CBS Sports. <laughs> I don't even know if I can say that on the radio. Brian Gumbo. Yeah. Um, let's, let's talk about this for a little bit before we get into some baseball stuff because it is interesting to me how the Big 12 started off as amazing. And now it's not. So let me ask you this. How many teams, now that we've kind of taken a step back, how many teams are going to make the NCAA tournament from the Big 12? Five. KU. KU, Tech, Baylor, Texas. Iowa State? Uh, Maybe. Does TCU make it? TCU maybe. See, I'm going to go six. I think this six will make it. I think that win against Texas Tech secured TCU's birth into the NCAA tournament on Saturday. I'll say six. I don't think TCU's that terrible. I think they might actually have be a sleeper team to get to the Sweet 16. I really like Mike Miles. Yeah. I, I don't think they're amazing, but that, that could be a team that just kind of surprises some people. They'll get in there as like a seven seed, maybe an eight seed, and I don't know if they'd be able to beat a one seed, but you look at their matchups. If they're an eight seed, they're not going to be playing a KU, right? So they're going to be going up against a team from – Maybe like I don't think they'd be a Gonzaga because I don't think they'd be the worst eight seed. So I Auburn, I guess. I could see them pulling out well, something like that. Right really now could. there's there's two big twelve teams as one seeds with Baylor and KU both being projected ones. Who who knows how that's gonna change, but I mean we've seen TCU play really good and then we've seen TCU play really bad and lose to a team like K State who and just play poor very poorly against K State, but I don't I don't think Iowa State's that good. I really don't. You don't think and Iowa State's that good? No, and I don't think they deserve to be in the tournament with how pitiful they've been in Big 12 play. I think that win against K-State was a quality win. Even though K-State's not that good, that's a quality win for Iowa State. It's not a, It's not against a tournament team. I mean, that's how you have to look at it now. And they have, I mean, I mean, you could say, if you squint your eyes really hard, you could say six. I would say five. I think if 
TCU makes it, Iowa State doesn't make it, and if Iowa State makes it, TCU doesn't make it. Hmm. Hmm. I, I see. At first, I was with you. I was with you on the five, but I really think that um, a team like that could, a team like TCU, could do some damage if they get in. Um, who's your sleeper team? Just out of curiosity, not necessarily in the Big Twelve, but just in general. In general, I really like LSU. LSU, really? I think they played really well in the beginning of the year, and they've kind of hit a, a midseason lull, which is kind of rare f- for a team playing in the SEC considering how weak the bottom half of that conference is. But I, I really like the way LSU plays. Um, I, I think they're pretty good. And then if I had to go with a team that's in the top 25 right now, just looking at it, I would say I really like Providence. I do. I've heard good things. I haven't I had really a chance like to watch them play. But see, my team is Arkansas. Right now, according to the Lenari, they're a five seed. That five twelve matchup's always a tough one. But think about this. We could see Arkansas, according to Lenardi, Arkansas and Illinois in the round of thirty two in Milwaukee. Keep in mind, this should have been the championship round in Kansas City, Arkansas and Illinois, when they played in non conference. Because oh, yeah. Arkansas played K State, Illinois played Cincinnati. Cincinnati beat Illinois, Arkansas beat K-State. They could have played in the championship round in Kansas City, and that game could have been huge for the NCAA tournament. Um, But I really think Arkansas, and throw Illinois in there too, because anytime you have a dominant player like Kofi Coburn, I... Yeah, he is... He's one of the... He's the best player I've seen in person all season. Yeah, And it's not even close. It's not even close. The only problem I have with Arkansas is just how, like... Their home court advantage, it's its kind of the same thing with KU, which is why they kind of take a dip at, at neutral sites you see every year. That Bud Walton Arena is – It's amazing. It's amazing. It is incredible to see. When Another they, team that had no basketball culture before, the best coach are, in the world. Are, are, and are, you, are you hating on Mike Anderson? I'm sorry. You're hating on Mike Anderson? But anytime you go from Mizzou to Arkansas, there's something there. Yeah, there, there may be. But, I mean, you see them play their best basketball at home. And, I mean, they, they've played well on the road, too. I'm not taking that away from them. But I just wonder how big of a shift that's going to be from going to one a, t- a top five home court advantage just playing neutral games. And they travel well. We saw it in Kansas City. But I just wonder how that's going to affect them. That's the only thing. I, I think that another team worth looking at is um, is Texas. And I'm I know people hate on Texas. I'm not going to hate on Texas, but this game would be extremely interesting if it were to happen. Texas versus Iona in the first round. Oh, Rick Pitino. How would you feel about Rick Pitino coming to K State? I would. I would. I don't know. <laughs> I would have to think about that for That's a little bit. That's another interesting one. <laughs> I, I will tell you, there would be great. Um, there would be lots of um, Drake references. You know, um, casinos and. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, for the for just the the comedy standpoint, I think I would love Rick Patino. But what about Richard Patino, his son? Is he still in Minnesota? Is that I think right? he got fired. Oh yeah, I don't know. I I, I would stay away from him. I uh, think I think St. Mary's is another team. As we get back on topic here, as a sleeper, they I did just beat Gonzaga. Um, right now, they're listed as a six seed. But one team we haven't talked about is Memphis. That I think they're going to be a team that nobody wants to play in the tournament, just considering how much raw talent they have. They remind me of that Kentucky team that was an eight seed that made it they make it to the final four national champ they might have won the national championship actually. Yes. With with the Harrison brothers. Mm-hmm. Um they remind me of that team a lot where they just have so much raw talent where they could just go on an insane run. I mean they have all these five stars on that team. And I think Penny Hardaway is an okay coach. I don't think he's the best coach, but 
I think he's a really good recruiter because he played in the NBA. Um, I, I think that would be very, a very scary because they're going to be a first four probably and then as an 11, so they would play a six. I would not want to be that six seed. Would you? Are you rooting for Duke in March Madness? Do you want to see Coach K cut down the nets as his last game? I, I've always liked Coach K. I, I always have. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I've never loved Duke, but I think that'd be pretty cool. But I don't think a one seed is going to win it this year. I have I really no don't. idea who's going to win the national championship this year. I just don't. Do you have an early pick? If I were to early pick, I'm leaning towards like Baylor. Honest to goodness, I think Texas Tech has a chance to win it. I agree. Like I. I, I might consider if their matchups break their way, I I fully think that they can do that. I think KU is going to get ousted in potentially the second round. I could totally see them losing to an 8-9 seed. I really could. Mm-hmm. Um, in, this, in this region, they play Arkansas in the Sweet 16, and I love that matchup for Arkansas or Illinois. Either way, I mean, Kofi Coburn, David McCormick, are you kidding me? Kofi Coburn's going to have 30 and 20. I love either one of those matchups because K, KU's big man – they're not good. Would well, you see what Oscar Sheboy did to them? That that's why I like Kentucky. I think Kentucky may be my early pick right now. Are they what a two seed? Probably. Yep. The other KU, you got UK. Yep. I, I'm gonna go Kentucky early. Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, they're good. Fair as enough. As much as I don't like Coach Cal, I think they were really good. Do you think that um, any other team we haven't talked about has it? We'll, we'll put it this way: What does a 16 beat a one this year? No. I'm not ready to say because I could see Baylor losing in the first round. No way. I could see Baylor no losing way. in the first round. They just seem like one of those teams who goes through the motions. We saw it in Manhattan. They seem to be close in every single game. I'm telling you, that could happen this year. Well, they've got with they've how got, much parity that there is, with how there is not very many dominant teams. We could see. I could see multiple 15s beating twos, and I could see a 16 beating a one. I I. I just can't discount they, Baylor won last year, so they know what it takes every game. But they have a new team, brand new team. I mean, and now there are these rumors about Scott Drew going to Louisville. That's fair. I mean, I, 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 I can't see. I can never say it's never going to happen, but I just don't see it this year. I used to always think Gonzaga would be that one team to lose to a sixteen, but Gonzaga's, and then Virginia did it. Yeah, and then and then Virginia did it, but I could see a couple two fifteens pretty easily just because of. How up and down some of these teams are, and you got to understand too, all these programs that are really good at the G five level are all senior laden. Like these are these fourth and fifth year, fifth fifth and sixth year seniors. Like that's huge. Like that's why I think there's going to be some small schools that make a run to the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight because all these guys are freaking twenty five years old. Watch out for the UMKC Ruse. They are on track to make their first. A tournament appearance ever? Are you serious? Ever? Are they? What conference are they in now? I I Missouri Valley. I don't even know. But I saw an article the other day. The men's and the women's teams could both make their first appearances in the in the tournament ever. The women's made it in 2020 before it got, they qualified, but didn't play. Mm-hmm. The men's have never played. And I would love to see those Charlie Hustle jerseys on the court. They are third in the Summit League at the, the moment. Summit League. That is fairly impressive. They play South Dakota in the, well, they're the four seed here in the uh, Summit League tournament. And by the way, it's not UMKC. It's just Kansas City. The Kansas City Ruse. I th- I still think they're a part of the Missouri 
University of they Missouri are. system. Right? They are, but, but it's just the ruse. Yeah, they're nineteen and eleven on the season. Their biggest win came over Kansas Christian. Um, they beat them ninety nine to thirty six. They beat uh, the other Missouri team. Yeah, yeah. That before will not that, be named. the before that they beat your Missouri Tigers eighty to six, eighty to sixty six. Your is pretty strong. I, I'm <laughs> I'm just spitting facts, everybody. If you're listening, uh, Connor is a Missouri fan, so um, make sure to give him a hard time when you see him because he likes Missouri, and I repeat, he is a Missouri fan. So he likes Missouri. It's already hard enough. I, I've lived through years of being in classes with KU fans and K-State fans. Always, always have the upper hand on me, so it'll be nothing new. Well, I'll root for your ruse. Um, they did just beat South Dakota a few uh, week ago. It looked like seventy-two to sixty-three, so they have a good chance. Then they'll be in the semifinals up there in South Dakota. But Connor, as we wrap up the bracketology here, I'll ask you one more time. Well, I guess I haven't asked you yet. Give me your final four. Final four. I'm gonna go Kentucky, Texas Tech, Illinois. And LSU. LSU. I've got to throw in a low seed in there. See, if I'm looking at Lenardi's bracket, and this is what I'm going to go off of here, um, I'm going to go Texas Tech as well. I'm going to go Arkansas. I'm going to go uh, Murray State. I'm throwing it. I'm throwing a slipper. That's interesting. In there because you know why? I want K State to get their coach. That's who I really want. Murray State's coach. He's good. He is good. Um, so I'll go Murray State, and then um, I'll throw Kentucky in there. So Kentucky, Murray State, Texas Tech, and Arkansas. That okay. is the most random Final Four I think you could possibly have. It's random every year. Until this year we get all four one seeds. Oh, goodness gracious. Maybe all four 16 seeds will make <laughs> the Final Four this year. That would be something. So the lockout is going on as we teased at the top of the show, and now we're going to get into it for the back half here. And um, to get things started, I'm just going to go ahead and play um, Mr. Elmo himself. That would be <laughs> Jeff Passan. If you haven't seen Jeff Passan do the Elmo, I highly recommend it. Go look it up on YouTube. But here is Jeff Passan on what the lockout means for Major League Baseball. None. That's the actual answer, Stephen A. Baseball's in a place right now where it's a sport that needs resonance, and you are not resonating throughout the public unless you're actually playing games. You're not seeing Fernando Tatis Jr. and Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and Ronald Acuna Jr. and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Jacob deGrom, these magnificent stars that are in the sport unless they're actually playing the games. So that's the calculus for Major League Baseball. That's what they stand to lose. They okay, so he makes a good point. And I, I, I've already ranted about Rob Manfred, and I'm going to call him Bob because he doesn't deserve to be called Rob. I'm sorry if your name's Robert, you're Bob. You're not Rob. That's Bob. weird. That's <laughs> weird, okay? You're a grown man. You're in your 60s. Your name's not Rob, it's Bob. Okay? Sorry, Bob Manfred. I didn't realize you felt so passionately about the abbreviations and nicknames. Bob Manfart is what his name should be. This is ridiculous. You got him with that one. Oh, my goodness. I cannot stand that human being. Um, yeah, this is this is over. Like, guys, this is over. They're not having an opening day, and we're sitting here, and we're stuck. And people are not going to care. We think apathy happens in Kansas State basketball. Wait till you see the apathy in Major League Baseball. I don't. Even, I couldn't even tell you the biggest offseason move. I totally forgot that Max Scherzer signed with the Mets. I really. Wait, did. what? Yeah, you didn't know that, huh? <laughs> I forgot. 
You forgot about that, huh? It's almost like people haven't been paying attention to baseball and all these huge moves that happened before the lockout, people just forgot about. I did forget about that. Max Scherzer is a Met. That's crazy. So, let me ask you this. When do games get played? Uh, Mid-April, I would I would think. The players are standing pretty strong because they, they're trying to make a statement past the money, but... I think the money's going to become pretty pretty crucial, not just because these players are trying to speak for everybody, and they eventually it's going to be down to what about the dudes that are aren't getting paid millions? You're on the cusp. These dudes want to play and make their money, make their generational money, and I, I think there's just going to be a breakthrough at some point where the money loss is going to be too major for the players. And I, I at this point, from what I heard or what I saw today on Twitter, excuse me. It, it it looks like the owners were really the ones pushing this meeting and pushing these late night meetings to try to get this deal done. And this morning, the tone completely changed from the players from last night, where they sounded like they wanted to get a deal done. To this morning, where their tone changed and and they were ready to cancel games. And I think at some point you have to you have to fault the players for kind of standing on the hill too long. I can't do that yet. I'm not. I'm not ready to say that this is all on the players. It's not all on the players, but at some point, compromises have to be made between parties. And I think the MLB has shown that they're at least somewhat. Will- the first, however many days of this lockout, has been completely on the league and on Rob Manfred. But I think in the past 24 hours, the the players have to shoulder some of the blame for this lockout at this point. That's just my opinion. So, do you know who Robert Nightingale is? Bob? Yeah, his name's Bob. I do. Okay. Um, Twitter he, legend, Bob Nightingale? He goes by Bob. He does, not, he, he does not go by Rob. So, Mr. Manford, I hope you're paying attention to Bobby Nightingale, not Robbie Nightingale. Okay? I digress. Um, this is what Major League Baseball wanted. Major League Baseball wanted to implement a pitch clock. They wanted to ban shifts, and they wanted to have larger bases for the 2023 season during the last two days of talks. What? Why? Why do you want to make these wholesale changes to a game that's perfectly fine? Baseball is great because it's timeless. And if you disagree, then you're in the wrong sport. Baseball is the only game that you practice pretty much as long as you play, right? Maybe even less. You practice less than you actually play the game. No other sport does that happen for. NFL, football, you practice every day for one day. In baseball, you play every single day. You practice once every two weeks. That's just the way how it is. So why are you changing the way the game is played? It doesn't make any sense. No, I, I agree with that. And the I think the owner's shoulder and the league itself shoulders most of the blame for this. And I don't know why they're trying to get down into into changes like that. I think you said larger bases that probably has something to do with what they want to make there be more steals or something like that. Or I, I honestly don't know. But it's just They've been arguing over the same points for so long, and it just seems like each side is arguing at a brick wall at this point. The players are stuck where they want to be. The owners are stuck where they want to be. And I thought last night was a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, it, uh, it it doesn't look like that anymore. I, I don't understand how you can consistently see something and say, oh, you know what, consistently hear something, uh, nope, we're going to sit this, and then you come back, yeah, we're going to give you this, and you're going to come back, oh, we're going to give you this, and then you get down to the last thing, and you can be like, nope. Like, it was always bound to meet in the middle. So the fact that they're not, that is on the owners. 
You can sit here and say, oh, revenue loss, revenue loss, revenue loss. You make the same amount of money as you have. You own a team. You're not losing money. The people who are losing money are the people who go and work at these games and they work the vending machines. They work as the people that will go up and down the aisles, who sweat their butt off in the summertime to try and help pay for their kids' college. Those are the people that are harming because you have decided, you have decided, you know what? I'm going to sit in my box and I'm going to show the players that I am the owner and they are the players. You know how parents, right? I'm going to throw all every single dad in the world, I'm going to throw you under the bus with this comparison, so I am sorry. And I'm sure I'm going to get a text here any minute. But you know how when your parents get mad at you, specifically your father, and they go, well, guess what? I am the father. You are the son. They put you in your place. Guess what? Rob Manfred, Bob Manfred, said, I am the commissioner. You are the players. I'm going to put you in your place. Guess what? All I know is when my dad used to tell me that, I used to get really mad, and it didn't help things. I think the players have gotten mad, and even worse, I think they started to give up and they're tuning out their dad, Bobby Manfred. And the biggest issue I have with the owner's perspective in this lockout is they say, oh, we're losing money, owning a, a team isn't isn't that big. Look at what happened when David Glass sold the Royals, when the Glass family sold the Royals. I don't remember how much they bought the team for. It's probably like $200 million. They sold it for like billions of dollars. And Major League Baseball, I saw a statistic today, its revenue has gone up the past 17 years. And that's when there was a pandemic in the middle. And I just don't understand how these owners can sit on the pedestal of, oh, we're not making enough money, we can't we can't give this up, when you literally own a sports team. Like, the, some of the most profitable businesses businesses in America are, are sports teams. And if you, if you keep continuously sit up there and saying, oh, we, we can't budge on this because we can't, we're not profitable enough, yes, you are. You are. You just don't want. You just don't want to give power back to the players, and it, it's just a little ridiculous at this point. And, and your point about the stadium workers is really good. It's more than just the owners that depend on the revenue from the team. It's people that work in the stadium. It's the bartenders at the Diamond Club in Kauffman Stadium. It's the valet. It's the people who take your parking. It, it's all these people that they're just destroying their primary source of income. It's quite honestly, it's ridiculous, and I'm ready for this to be over because it needs to be, and we need to be get back. We need to be getting back to baseball, right? I mentioned that Max Max Scherzer signed with the Mets. Can you think of any other big deals that happened this off season? I feel like there's another one. Did you know that Javi Baez now plays for the Detroit Tigers? Yeah, I remember that. Six years, 140 million dollars, and it. I mean, baseball is on the cusp. Of how about this one, Corey Seager, Texas Rangers, yeah, Rangers. ten years, three hundred twenty-five million. Mm-hmm. These players got their money before the lockout, and I can't blame them. And you want to sit here and talk about oh, the players make too much money? Guess what? The owners that are willing to invest in their players, they're doing the right thing. Because as I mentioned with Brad Underwood, if you pay him as much money as you can, you will see things profit for you. Guess what? There will be more people at the Rangers games because they have Corey Seager and they also have Marcus Simeon now. Yep. They will have more people there to watch them play because they're going to be better. Well, I think, we that's think. A, I think it's a stretch to say they're going to be we better. We think. Here's the deal. You hope. You'd hope. So, if you have good players, people will go watch you. I'm going to tell you this right now. The Royals go out and sign Joey Gallo. My butt's going to be there for as many games as I possibly can. I'm already going to be there to watch Bobby Witt. 
Oh, there you go. So, I mean, I I think not playing the games hurts the sport in such a way that's just almost intangible. Like, baseball was just dreading how much money they were going to lose by not playing the games in COVID. And now they're willingly, the MLB is willingly not pe- playing games now. So, uh, it, it just doesn't make any sense. The, the sport is on the cusp of just getting passed by by other sports. And the owners are just letting it happen. They're they're letting my favorite game, your favorite game, a lot of people's favorite game just get just get undermined by by their greedy ambitions. What do you think about this proposed expanded playoff that allegedly is going to happen? The twelve team? Yes. I, I think I think it'll be okay. I I don't know how it's gonna work. The, I, I the, saw what the top top team gets a buy? Two. The top two get a buy, so the third so three plays six and then four and five play each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm always down for more playoff baseball. They talked about how the division winners, or the the third division winner, maybe would start that series of the best of three up one nothing. I don't like that because it gives you incentive for winning your division. I, your incentive is playing at home, I guess. I, I I don't like starting a series. Why not just? I don't like that. I don't. I don't like the being up one nothing. That's just weird to me. That's not baseball. I again, that's part of my point, right? I mean, they're trying to change the game. I like the expanded playoff, I do. Yeah. And it gives you it gives you more reason to win, right? When you have your division locked up, why you, are you taking out your starters and you know, bringing up the farm? You're probably going to be locked into the one or the two seed in general, so it's not that big of a deal, right? Teams don't really care about playoff seed in baseball because in September usually it's kind of locked up, right? For the most part, you're not really playing for seeding. As long as you have one of those where you're not in the wild card round, you're not really playing for seeding. And so now I would think that this kind of incentivizes, hey, you want to be the one or two seed so you can get a buy, right? You're not in the wild card round anymore. And I think it will also incentivize the teams who are mid- Middle, middle of the standings during the late days of July to not just be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna blow it up for the rest of the year and trade all all their players away. I think it'll create a lot more competitive baseball during August and September, and I, I think that's a good thing for baseball. Um, the one good thing for baseball you can kind of take out of this whole situation, but they they have to play the games and not. They said two series, so six games being missed. That's and that's at the and, minimum, right? Yeah, at the minimum, and those are gonna be. For a lot of teams, their highest attendance games are those first six. So mm-hmm. you're, you're taking away an unknown amount of revenue. And I just hate it because I'm a baseball purist. Records were meant to be broken. You're not going to have any records broken this year. Nope. There's going to be no records broken. And if there is, well, if it's like a batting average thing, dang it. Those are six games where he could have lost. Yep. Right? So it's not fair. I know I don't know how they're gonna handle that. If you want to play less games, put that in put that in the bargaining deal. I'm of the opinion that baseball is 162 games long. That is what makes it so unique. You play 162 games. You that's that's what you do. That is part of the game. The number 162 is just synonymous with baseball at this point. 100 percent, 100 percent. And if you change that, I think you're doing the game a disservice. I, I hate. I absolutely hate people that say, "Oh, they only they just play 100." Just play 100 games. That's not enough in baseball to determine if a team is good or not. Well, did you see the the playoff teams in the 60 game, 60 game year? Who was the team that made the playoffs? That oh, I can't remember now off the top of my head. There are teams that did not deserve to be in the playoffs that year that made the playoffs. Twins. Yeah, the Twins. Yeah, but they were 
they won the division, I'm pretty sure. In 60 games. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, 60 games is nothing. I, I High school seasons are in Kansas are 20 games long, which, first of all, we can get into that conversation at a different yes. time. But that is the biggest joke of all. You're telling me that a regular season that could potentially, in, in COVID, you know, obviously this was in COVID, only 60 games long. Now, did the best team probably win the World Series that year in the Dodgers? Sure which at least is nice to know that the best team won. But the point of this whole situation is you you got to play the same amount of games. You just have to. It's either in the new deal, there either has to be less games or you're playing 162. You cannot continue to cancel games because the more you cancel games, the less people are going to watch. That's just the bottom line. Yep. And, I mean, during this baseball lull, I mean, Major League Soccer started now, and I, I bet you more people watch that. I mean – more people are going to consume NFL content, NBA content. People are going to find other ways. College to, baseball as well. People are going to yes. People are going to find other ways to kind of keep their t- keep busy without baseball. People who love baseball and then when baseball starts, they'll already have this new routine where there's not baseball and there's going to be people who just don't go back to watching baseball. That's the thing. And guess what? K-State has their home opener next week. So if you're in town here in Manhattan and you want to get out and watch some baseball, it's going to be probably close in the 60s. Come out and watch K-State baseball because that might be your only baseball you get for a while. And quite honestly, rally around this team if you're a K-State fan. Really, really rally around this team. If you like baseball, college baseball, I've said this, college baseball is the best because you get everything. Those guys play the game the right way. And I'm not saying that major league players don't, but those guys play the game the right way. Those guys, those guys care. They play as a team. And if you like baseball, then you really should invest yourself in some college baseball. If you're not, especially, this is a great opportunity. Pick out your favorite school. Buy ESPN Plus, for goodness sake. It's $7 a month. You know, quit being a cheapo. Go buy the thing. And watch your team play, because you will enjoy it. If you like baseball, watch your college team play. You will enjoy it. But it's just a sad, it's a sad, sad day for baseball that this had to happen. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think so either. It's... I mean, if they are willing to miss six games, who's saying they're not willing to miss 20? Yep, yep, no doubt about that. And it is 6.55 here, Manhattan time. Um, on the night shift, Wildcat 91.9, I'm Cole Carmody, along with Connor Carson. That means it's time for our picks of the week as we wrap up the show. And last week, I believe we went over. I was correct in my soccer pick. Kind of. I, I picked them to lose. So Atlanta scored like the 91st minute, so I was close enough. Okay, well, we'll, we'll give you that. We'll give you that. Also, tonight, today, um, in, in bigger news and more important news, North Carolina College Baseball beat Longwood 16-1, to and West Virginia beat Canisius 17-3. to Crooked so, numbers. Football numbers almost. Yeah. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into the picks. We'll start with tonight. Um, TCU and Kansas tip off here in about five minutes. KU is a six-point favorite on the road. Do they cover and do they win? You know, do you see that Storm Chasers account on Twitter where people go to like games where there could be potentially be a court stormed? Hmm. No, I have not. They were in Colorado when Colorado beat Arizona, and they are in Fort Worth tonight. So I'm going to pick TCU to win and storm the court. See, I'm going to pick TCU to cover. I'm not going to pick them to win, but. Again, I really like TCU. I, I like this team, so I'll pick them to cover. Um, later on in the week, really there's no other really good games in the Big 12 worth picking, but we'll just go ahead and go to Thursday then. So after this game, TCU goes on the road on Thursday, and they play KU. Do they? I don't know what the spread's going to be, but if they win, will they beat KU twice in two days? 
There's no way. <laughs> There's no way? There's just no, no way. way. There's just no way. Do they, But you think they get one? I do. Okay. Moving on to Saturday, K-State, Oklahoma. It's a barn burner, folks. 15-14 and 14 OU versus 14-15 and 15 K-State. Will the records be 60-60 to 60 combined at the end? I think K-State wins. You do think Sen- K-State will win? Senior day. You got... You got Mike McGurl, Mark Smith. I'm missing a senior. Nope. Drew Honus. Yep. Drew senior Honus. day. Score? 61-55. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know it's going to be that type of game. Over under four uh, pass outs in the student section. Because you mentioned oh. festivities. I'll just say it here on the radio because it is official. Um, Aggieville is kind of promoting Fake Patty's Day, but Fake Patty's Day is a thing. So if you're listening and you would like to come down to Manhattan, you either want to go to Aggieville or you want to avoid it on Saturday. Depending on what kind of temperament you have. That is up to you. Uh, If you're Irish, I would suggest going. Or if you just want to have a good time. Yep, that that too. Make sure you wear your green. Um, So over under four pass outs in the student section. Over. You you see the pass outs on a Wednesday night sometimes. So Yes, (laughs) I I agree. Fake Patty's home games are always interesting. Um, If only they were good. They played Baylor two years ago and won, actually. So that was an interesting game. <laughs> um, but, yes, I think K-State will win, get to 15-15. and 15. There was reports that K-State wants to schedule another game because they want to increase their NIT chances. Why? I, I'm i just reporting. I'm not, I'm not saying. I'm messenger. just reporting. That's via Kellis Robinette on Twitter. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but I think this will be senior day, and I'll take the Cats to win. Okay. Um, last thing we'll pick today before we get out of here, um, K-State baseball plays tonight. Fullerton? Cal State Fullerton. Wesley Moore gets the ball tonight, the left-hander from Canada. I don't know. They haven't been good on this road, this road trip so far. Um. They've been terrible on this road trip. They've been terrible. They won the last game, so they're going to make it two in a row, I think. Two in a row. Um, I'm gonna be with you here. I'm actually. I'm thinking K State will win tonight. Um, they kind of got some momentum. Dylan Phillips, Phillips is hot. Two home runs. I think they win as well. Then I think they go on the road and they sweep Loyola Marymount. Get back to five and five. Come back play Nebraska for the home opener next Wednesday. Make sure you're tuning in. Nice. Make sure you're tuning in to the show next week. That is all we have for tonight. I am Cole Carmody. That is Connor Carson. You've been listening to the Night Shift on Wildcat 91.9. Tune in next week six to seven. We'll catch you then.